and dumb. What's the matter with you? You're in the papes, you're famous. You're famous, you get anything you want. And that's what's so great about New York. Oh, the jungle VIP I've reached the top and had to stop And that's what's bothering me Hello and welcome, you're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersock. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, uh, we are back. We had kind of a, kind of a bloodbath last week <laughs> on the old bracket, and you took L after L after L. It's funny. It's not it's not usually how it happens. Either we agree or or Chris goes down because he has some sort of take. I thought I played the game pretty neutral, and all of a sudden I'm getting shot down every single time i can test so you know uh we we take the l's and we learn from them and handing me those l's all episode long last time was returning guest host it is our pal joey joey welcome back thank you yeah I, you memed on me when we had dinner a couple of weeks ago so this is my way of, of payback <laughs> from memeing on me um so yeah yeah all's fair in the world all is fair. Yeah. Now, now maybe I'll have a fair chance. Uh, the meme that I, I, I got him on was we, Joey and I went to dinner. Joey and I used to work together at the A's and we hadn't seen each other for a while. So we we're like, let's go out. Let's go grab some dinner. And we roll up to the restaurant or I would do anyways. And I get a text <laughs> and Joey's like, do you have an extra mask? And I was like, no, do you not have a mask? He's like, I forgot mine at home. And I was like, it's been 18 months, Joey. How you forget <laughs> your mask at home? We've had to live in masks. So I went to 7-Eleven to try and find him one. Weren't selling them. So he had to go to CVS and buy one and, and do the, the walk of shame from Ooh. CVS to the restaurant yeah. holding his, uh, his mask. And I put him up on the gram, of course, because you have to. So that was payback. Uh, he's getting even, and he did so very well. Joey, I, Coco went down round one. You kind of yeah. you kind of accepted it. Uh, were there any other surprises last time? I mean, you were pretty much either deciding or going along with it. But do you think that uh, there were any sort of upsets that you might not have expected when we first went into it? Yeah, I mean, I was really gung ho on voting for Shiny. I really <laughs> okay. like Shiny a lot. But then we built the premise of what is a more of a Disney song, sure. and I am now familiar with the Disney music that plays throughout the park and. I can't imagine myself hearing shiny at the park. <laughs> um, so I had to go with half a lumps of woozles. It just like, it just made sense. And that was your only, only W I think all day. Um, so, I mean, it was only right. I had to give you some love on that end and it's more of a Disney song than, than shiny. Sure. 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 Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up the parks because we did do a best attractions score or soundtrack or did we do yeah, worst yeah, yeah soundtrack we best attraction best. soundtrack and we so we talked a lot about parks attraction music and i think that for a big subsection of people parks music is disney music and a lot of times it is the same songs but just composed differently and i think that your whole like i can picture myself walking down main street to this march kind of really plays into what that disney sound is so Really interested as now that we're into these final matchups in this Elite Eight, uh, how that's all going to stand up because there's some uh, some interesting matchups here and I'm just, I'm excited to get into it. But before we do, Chris, we have to talk about what is in our cups today. It is the spoonful of sugar. What you got? Well, folks, the alcohol is gone. It's gone. I didn't drink all of it, but it is gone. Uh, we We are... Hours away from moving across country. When you listen to this episode, uh, I, I I will be in California. Crazy. When you listen, when you listen to episode one of this bracket, I will be on the airplane. Um, Crazy. 
the spoonfuls of sugar are gone. So um, my Brita is not gone though. <laughs> um, and like a few kind of like leftover kitchen items that we're going to recycle or donate. And this just, it pains me that I have to donate or maybe recycle, or you know what, maybe I'll take it. I don't know. I might have not have the courage to. Uh, it's my frozen two like plastic cup oh. um, that I got from the movie theater. Um, okay. It was like a $25 like soda, but I was like, it's frozen too. This is like one of the greatest days of my life. Uh, so I'm going <laughs> to buy it. Um, and it did. And this cup has gotten a lot of use. And with that, it's time to get a little stinky. So okay. I'm like, I don't know that I need to keep this. I might be able to get like a, like a new one, you know, like a different one. But uh, there is water in it. Uh, this is uh, this is Atahalan uh, iceberg water that I'm drinking. Very refreshing, um, and it's, it's going to keep me hydrated uh, after after moving a lot of furniture today. Okay. Uh, how about you, Kyle? <laughs> I am uh, off to to Beerland over here. I have a Apocalypse IPA from Ten Barrel Brewing Company up in Bend, Oregon. Shout out to all of our listeners in Oregon. Uh, it's just a, it's an IPA. It's an Oregon IPA. They all kind of taste how Oregon IPAs taste. They just taste like IPAs. And uh, this one, I don't drink a ton, but I, when I went to the liquor store, I saw it and I said, eh, time to revisit this. I like it because uh, the label says drink beer outside. <laughs> like, okay, Oregon, we get it. You're, you're all outdoorsy people. Uh, but I'm sitting in my two bedroom apartment uh, recording this episode. I'm going to have a sip of it here. And this would be a very, very nice outdoors beer. This is like a, a crispy IPA if there's ever been one. So I enjoy it. I like it. It's going to get me through part two of this bracket. Joey, what do you got? I think in the first, well, actually, let me backtrack real quick. Back to Chris. Chris said he paid $25. <laughs> Wait, yeah, we got to think about that. And, and in the first episode, I kind of got clowned on from my Disney endorsement to say that I would pay $25 for oh. ride uh, on a Star Wars ride. So I'm just wondering if we think of currency much differently <laughs> because I think fair. I think $25 yeah, to to be at a Star Wars attraction is a much better investment than the plastic frozen. Country. So so um, I have this <laughs> I do this thing um, and and I actually learned it is it has a name. It's called marking where whenever you have some type of experience whether that be a day or an evening or something that you feel is going to be very memorable, that it's a good idea to get something physical to kind of like mark the occasion. And so I was very excited for this movie. Um, it was like baseball season had like just ended, obviously a huge frozen fan. So it was like, I had the opportunity to like buy the souvenir cup. And I was like, you know what? It's worth it because I know I'm going to look at this cup and remember this viewing of Frozen 2, which did not go super well, honestly. Uh, I ended up walking out of the theater in the middle of Olaf's um, recap of Frozen <laughs> 1. So, But it, you know, it came around. It ended up being a good evening. So, yeah, that, that would be my defense of the $25 Frozen 2 souvenir cup. Yeah, I I accept. I think I did that at Disneyland. I can't remember exactly. Oh what my I god! Bought, forget I, about I, it. I bought Anything. something immediately. Yeah, yeah. I think I walked in immediately before even experiencing the day. I know it was going to be great, so I just I went and got my first day pen. Oh yeah, I still have. Uh, stuck that right on my backpack. Uh, I think I went and bought a shirt after that. So yeah, I understand that. Um, in the first, the last episode we recorded, I just said that I was drinking a beer, but didn't go into in depth on it. But Kyle went in depth on his, so I was drinking a. Cloudy City Hazy IPA from Three Weaver, Three Weavers, which is an Inglewood beer in LA. Uh -huh. It's okay. Um, yeah, it's fine. Uh, I think I got it at Bevmo. Um, <laughs> but now I have some tea since I had to break so many ties. Uh, in the first episode, my throat kind of hurts. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm getting prepared to make sure my throat uh, is ready for like this endurance run. Oh, my gosh. So that's what I have now. Oh, yep. my gosh. And I live with a British roommate, so we have tons and tons of tea. So that, it just works out. Hey, yeah. It's, it's not bad. It's not a bad roommate at all. <laughs> uh, well, hope you have some tea to relax because we are taking a ride to Pool of the Pod Town. It is time to find if we can locate Mr. Tom 
Maro out of these decks of Topps 50th Disneyland anniversary cards. We've been doing it for the past, I don't know, eight bra- eight episodes or so, and uh, it's back. Will this be the day? We will find out shortly. The first card of the pull of the pod for this episode is a good one. It's not Tom Morrow. It is a debut attraction. It's 1957's House of the Future. Oh, let's go. Let's go. That's a, cla- that's a classic card right that, there. So that's you- one that like, I feel like all of the theme park history like YouTubers haven't really touched yet. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, it didn't last long. Like It wasn't in the parks for very long, but it's a very iconic icon of what Tomorrowland was. <laughs> that was the worst sentence I've ever spoken in my life. But... <laughs> Yeah, so the House of the Future was essentially, I believe it was uh, it was sponsored by Monsanto, which on DCA 1.0, we talked about with Matt Parrish, and he called Monsanto the devil, because they are. They're an awful plastics and uh, warfare company that was not great, and they sponsored this House of the Future, which was this raised plastic house in Disneyland right outside of Tomorrowland, basically like in between where the Matterhorn and the entrance of Tomorrowland is, uh, maybe a little bit closer to the castle. And everything in it was like plastics. It was automated. They were like, in the future, you're going to be able to tell your lights to turn on. And it's going to be everything you eat off of is plastic because plastic is the material of the future, blah, 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 blah. And that's what this attraction was you got to walk through it it was a it was an advertisement for the materials that monsanto was making the description on the back says as the name implies this quote floating home was ultra modern the focus on style and technology as most of the edifice was constructed using synthetic elements so house of the future we got the card Uh, if you're watching the wonderful world of mickey mouse on disney plus the season finale of season one takes place in the house of the future. Uh, so you can go check that out and see the cartoon version of that. Second card of the pull of the pod is another debut attraction is 1955's King Arthur's carousel elite elite attraction. This is a one that is still around hand carved and hand painted. The horses of the carousel are between 95 and 115 years old. As of 2005, when this card was made, Many of the horses were carved in Germany, and the turntable for the carousel was crafted in 1875 and came from Canada. That is our second card of Pull of the Pod. Number three, we have a land card. I don't know that we've gotten a land. Oh, we have done a five lands card. I don't remember what it was, but we did get one. This one is Adventureland. Mm. Uh, This one on the front has the Adventureland marquee from basically 55. Uh, it's in black and white. And then on the back is a interior shot of the Tiki Room. Uh, and they so changed that a, recently, right? They like removed like one pole on it and everyone was freaking out. Yeah. So what they they like widened the signage and there used to be like a a little side entrance thing in between two like poles of the of the sign. And they removed that and just widened it so that you wouldn't get bottlenecked in the the entrance yeah it was like a, it was mind. like a random like i don't know what was the Hi, point? almost yeah did they yeah. used to have like a person like in there or something that would be interesting i mean these photos show basically the same thing uh but it was just like almost like this thing was constructed to withhold the rest of the sign like this was the the support system for the sign because they're whatever people were big mad because people like to be big mad and then the final card, which is not Tom Morrow, so we'll be back next bracket. 1960s debut attractions of the Main Street electric cars. So interesting because I didn't know <laughs> that this was a thing. But apparently the electric cars were introduced in 1960. And the blurb says travel down Main Street in style in one of the horseless carriages. These vehicles add to the nostalgia, charm, authenticity of the era embodied by the spirit of Main Street USA. So I always thought these were gas. <laughs> Why are they like, I guess maybe like 
after horse and carriages, gas cars were considered electric just because they were powered. Is that what? Is that what? I'm so confused. Yeah, same. I don't know, but that's that's the card. Pretty lackluster ending to that. But the attraction poster of the pack is the Santa Fe and Disneyland Railroad Grand Canyon Diorama Primeval World. Mm. Eh. It is a yellow poster with purple dinosaurs on it. All right. Well, that was a lackluster. Uh, that it was off strong. Yeah. Start off strong. You got the House, house of Tomorrow. Future, yeah. The uh, House of Future. You have King Arthur's Carousel, and then it kind of went downhill from there. Yeah. So tune in next week when we try again. <laughs> and maybe we'll get it. I hope he's in there. Like, it would make sense to me that, like, all the cards are in that box somewhere. We could only hope. What if we chose the, like, this was just us choosing a card to find, right? Like, it wasn't like this is the rare. No, yeah. You know, it's rare to hologram us. card of of the 50th Disneyland packs. It was just like this is a silly card. It looks weird and we kind of want it. But what if it turns into being like <laughs> only one in every 50 show up and we only have 25 packs or whatever it is. That would be hilarious. I would be very sad. We'd have to go on eBay and buy one. Yep, exactly. All right. Well, just to remind everyone kind of where we are at in the bracket before we hop in, uh, our demographic we surveyed was people reacting to Genie Plus and Lightning Lane news last week. Yep. Everyone had something to say about it. We did. Sure you did as well. Uh, We are down to a round of eight. We went through our field of 16, narrowed it down. Uh, where we have the number one seed Strange Things from Toy Story versus number eight Stand Out from Goofy Movie. Uh, Number four seed with the smile on his song from Snow White versus number 12, The Next Right Thing from Frozen 2. On the other side of the bracket, we've got number 15, Nod in Nottingham from Robin Hood versus number seven, Little April Shower from Bambi. And then rounding things out, number 14 seed, Heffalumps and Woozles from Winnie the Pooh versus number 11, King of New York. From Newsies. Um, this is, I feel like the seating was really good on this bracket. Sometimes the seating is like super annoying. Like last episode, the the Pixar, visually beautiful Pixar, like the seating was so frustrating. Yeah. Um, but I feel like we got like really good seating because like the Frozen songs went up against each other in the first round. The Snow yeah. White and Cinderella songs went up each other in the first round. And now we've got like the 90s songs going up against each other in the final four, um, which is going to, which is going to give us a little bit of diversity <laughs> as we as we move forward here. So let's start things off. I'll go first. We've got number one, Strange Things. There's number eight, Stand Out. Uh, we defined both of these songs as very like 90s nostalgia heavy in terms of, of their sounds. Uh, with Strange Thing, you've got some backup singers, which was a very common thing. Um, and I mean, that's in Stand Out as well. You've got some like synthy stuff in Strange Things. Um, it has like a very like bouncy kind of uh, rhythm to it. Yeah. Um, stand out. You've got like subtle hip hop. Um, you've got the, I don't, I don't know if like, this is the right word for it, but like, it's like a vocal style that is very like motivational. It like makes you want to like exercise. It's like, okay. Yeah. Don't <laughs> I don't know what it is about it, but it's like, it's just like exercise. I don't know. I, I'm, I, I, don't I feel know. it. I feel it. So strange things, we didn't really talk. I mean, we talked. We talked about how it it is like the the moment in Toy Story where Buzz shows up. It's a montage, and Woody kind of realizing that he's not the boss anymore. So I want to break down a couple of moments that I really enjoy in that uh, montage. Yep. Uh, number one, his jaw like drops. And he turns around and notices the bedspread has changed from cowboy to um, space. Buzz Lightyear. And I'll have to, I'll, I'll have to screenshot it because <laughs> there aren't a whole lot of times in Toy Story one where you go, oh my god, they really kind of screwed up that animation there. That looks like it's straight out of the eighties. Um, but that mo- like something that about the way it. his jaw drops it yeah. just like is not supernatural sure a lot of the movie also like their eyes don't blink together 
If right, you watch, right, right. it's <laughs> one eye, one eye, one eye, one eye. They mm-hmm. couldn't quite time that up. <laughs> uh, and like this montage, uh, it's not the worst montage I've ever seen, but it's also not like the best montage I've ever seen either. The kind of like shortcutting the plot just a little bit to kind of get you to the point where Woody's frustrated. Yeah. You know what's funny about this is that this song is like fairly upbeat, almost almost motivational. Like the the way the chorus soars off is very uplifting sounding for a very sad moment for our main character. Toy Story 2, the same exact montage series of shots is Jessie losing her place at Annie's room and it's Sarah McLaughlin. I wonder what the writers in the room were like, okay, remember when like Woody was supposed to be shocked about Andy forgetting him and and taking on Buzz? We wanted that to be way sadder. (laughs) Let's call in Sarah McLaughlin and do it like that in Toy Story 2. I think I disagree that that like there it's it's a it's a slightly different situation because I don't think Woody is supposed to be a likable sympathetic hero in Toy Story. Like the whole movie okay. is a heat check for Woody. Sure. And so I think like the it's it's a Buzz it, it's a Buzz Lightyear song, you know. And so like yes, we're seeing Woody kind of like reacting to it, but it almost feels more like it's the, I don't know. It's like the arrival of Buzz and just like the power of Buzz as like a, as a presence, you know, like he okay. has landed and this song is very like upbeat and polished and futuristic sounding. Sure. And, and that's, then that's what Buzz is, you know? Uh, and so I don't think we're supposed to really be feeling sad for Woody in this moment. Okay. I think we're supposed to kind of, start to see the flaws in his character. Um, and we get that for, we get that visually when he kicks the checkerboard and the checker comes like flying back and like lands <laughs> right. in his mouth. Right. Um, and he buzzes like petting slink and Woody pushes slinks butt off the bed. Like this is, this is when we start going like, ah, he's kind of rude right now. Like we're we kind of are starting to like side with buzz here. So sure. So yeah, it's an interesting moment. There's a little, there's a little bit of conflict where you don't really know who to root for, and I mean, like that's present throughout the the movie Toy Story. It's like you want Woody to learn his lesson, but he's so mean that you're like, do I really care? <laughs> like, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this one's really tough. Like, I I know like it, they're not exi- they're not really the same at all, but they also kind of like serve the same purpose as like '90s hits that are often overlooked. You know? Yeah. I think I think I'm gonna go with Strange Things. I'm gonna go with the number one seed. Uh, I think it is more underrated because uh, it lives in the shadow of "You've Got a Friend in Me," and I think even with uh, those two songs plus "You," I will go sailing no more. You don't really think of the music of Toy Story, um, at least like the soundtrack music, like outside of "You Got a Friend in Me." So I'm going with that one. This is, this is a tough matchup because of that reason. I think that Standout is an underrated Disney song from a movie that you, you think that is not so underrated anymore, but I still see it as underrated. I think that people recognize Powerline and people recognize a Goofy movie as an entity today with the hype, but I don't know that anyone has actually gone back and revisited it. Uh, I mean, you haven't seen it in a very, very long time and you recognize these icons and these moments and that's just a testament to it. I think people are just like that. It's a it's an old 90s movie and that is not something that people really think about to go revisit. So I think that as a whole, the movie is underrated in its actual story and comp and sustenance. But Maybe not in brand appeal. It's very much in a hype right now. Uh, maybe at the tail end of a hype as far as brand recognition. Strange things like this. If you played this song for somebody that knew something of Disney, they would know it's from Toy Story, but I don't think they would be able to recognize it from 
even just the first movie. They'd be like, that's a Toy Story song. Because it's just, it's Randy Newman who is so synonymous with Disney and Pixar and Toy Story, right? So it's, yeah, this is a a really tough matchup. I didn't talk about uh, Stand Out at all. Sung by Tevin Campbell. Tevin Campbell is the one that plays Powerline throughout this movie. Tevin Campbell is a pop musician from the late 80s, early 90s through today. He's also an actor. Uh, If anybody is a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air fan, he is the one that Ashley shares her first kiss with uh, during that first season, I believe. She goes on a date with Tevin Campbell. But Tevin Campbell's playing somebody else, and Ashley's favorite musician is Tevin Campbell. It's a weird, it's a weird season and episode. But that's who Tevin Campbell is. And Chris, stand out, has a Disney Mania version on Disney Mania 7. Mitchell Musso? It's by Mitchell Musso. Is it really? Yes. That was a total guess. Oh my God, that's amazing. It's by Mitchell Musso. He is completely auto-tuned the entire time. It sounds very much like they were going for that. I'm assuming that our, I mean, we did, uh, if I didn't have you from Monsters, Inc. in the pop song bracket, and he didn't have to sing a ton because that song doesn't require a ton of singing, but this song does. (laughs) You have to hit some notes and they just auto-tune the hell out of him. Uh, but Mitchell Muzo, he makes his way back onto this podcast, onto this bracket. Uh, somehow, some way, he always does. The message of the song, going back to like what Joey was saying about the, f- the Frozen songs and how he was like, oh, I, the message I would want my niece to, to hear and believe in is the next right thing, right? And this one is interesting because this song makes sense in the context of the movie it's max trying too hard to stand out in front of his crush but out of context it's such a bizarre message for today's day and age like maybe at the time like trying to get somebody's attention is a a form of showing love or whatever but like out of context the chorus is um to stand out above the crowd even if i got a shout out loud Till mine is the only face you see gonna stand out till you notice me. It's a very thirsty song. It's very mm. much like I have to. I, yeah, it, it is. Until all you see is me and only me. I'm going to keep trying to be the one that stands out the entire time. Some people settle for the typical thing. Living all of their lives waiting in the wings. It ain't a question of if, just a matter of time before I move to the front of the line. It's a very thirsty song. It's a super thirsty song out of context of the movie. Makes sense for that. This is Max's arc. Him being this thirsty little boy who has nothing to see except for Roxanne and then goes on this trip that brings life back into view. Uh, If I have, yeah, I got to make a decision here. Chris, I'm going to go stand out. Joey, this is your choice to make. Stand out is going to move on. I think it's an underrated song coming from a fairly underrated movie, in my opinion. And it 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 maybe doesn't feel super Disney like maybe Randy Newman's does, but I think it does a ton for the character of Masks of Max and sends him on his way. If I have to justify it, so Joey, you're breaking the tie. You both made really compelling arguments on this one this one's tough <laughs> did i I? <laughs> I actually i prefer the song strange things but if we're talking underrated i still i don't know i i go back to i can't remember if chris or kyle said it like when you hear strange things you know it's toy story and you know the song um sure. i don't know stand out this is the first time i ever heard of it during my thorough research um <laughs> And so I'm I'm actually gonna put stand out. I'm stand out's gonna move on. Um I like upsets too, so I think that's fun. But I, I, I've never like heard of it. I think it's a good song. It's not as Disney as Strange Things is, but I wouldn't I don't think I would consider Strange Things to be completely underrated. I think you've got a friend sure. of me, obviously is yeah. is it, but Strange Things in the context of the rest of these songs is would not be a forgotten about song. 
Sure. That's why it's the one seed, I guess. All right, let's move on to this next matchup. It is the number four with a smile and a song versus the number 12, the next right thing, both of which I said no to, and now I have to sit here and talk about them. With a smile and a song, Snow White, she falls down after being chased because the huntsman wants to kill her, cut out her heart, and bring it back to the queen. He decides to let her go. She runs through the scary forest, meets up with the, uh, the little forest friends. Don't remember if I talked about uh, the the folks who I don't I didn't talk about the folks who wrote this. So this this song was written by this duo, Frank Churchill and Larry Morey. Frank Churchill did the score. Larry Morey did the lyrics. These two would carry Disney as the songwriting duo for a very long time until they started bringing in the Tin Pan Alley people. So Frank, he wrote most of the music for Snow White, Dumbo, Bambi. And the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. He's also credited for Chris, the song Never Smile at a Crocodile, which we had brought up recently. I think it was in the sing-alongs. Yes, it was. And that was cut from Peter Pan, but then appeared in the Disney sing-alongs. And we were like, what is the song? We're like, well, it was supposed to be for Peter Pan. Well, our boy Frank wrote it and it got cut and it's a it's a it's a catchy song. Uh, they both won an Oscar for scoring. Well, he won the Oscar for uh, scoring for a musical for Dumbo and then was nominated for the best song for Baby of Mine and received two posthumous Oscar nominations for Bambi and for uh, best song, Love is a Song. So this dude is uh, is well well decorated. Larry? Basically the same thing. He was along with Frank for all of this and along for the ride. And then we we see him over and over again. And uh, yeah, so this was like the original Sherman Brothers duo. Uh, There was a third one whose name escapes me. I think his name was like Dan Davis or something like that. And yeah, so they wrote this very princess song chris you brought it up this kind of hitting the high note holding the high notes singing in a high tenor is on trend for this era with this with cinderella with the munchkins from wizard of oz like this is very on par i'm sure if we align timelines the chipmunks came to fame around this time alvin and chipmunks so our chipmunk, Chip and Dale, probably also around this time. So this high-pitched sort of thing was definitely in at the time. Uh, Snow White, iconic movie for what it is since it's the first. Uh, but this song, like I, I couldn't even pinpoint it in the first episode. Not too memorable. I don't know that it's... Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. The next right thing just makes me sad. Big moment in the movie. Uh, Frozen 2's soundtrack, we talked about Lost in the Woods recently. Um, Some Things Never Change, I think, is a phenomenal song that is actually underrated. That's true. I, yeah. I don't think we give that song enough credit for what it does to open that movie and how frozen it feels, how Disney frozen it feels. I just remember sitting in the theaters when Some Things Never Change being like, oh, yeah, we're back. We're back in this like happy disney mode baby and then the pandemic hit so some things did change very quickly and it was the fact that we were locked down for the next 18 months but uh the next right thing i mean i appreciate both of your insight into the song and how meaningful it is you know it's you can never predict the future you just have to do whatever you feel is the next right thing you got to just string a bunch of right things together and that's what's going to get you to where you need to be the delivery is just so dramatic and it matches the movie, but it doesn't necessarily match. It doesn't necessarily translate to like listening. Uh, you can't really sit down with this song if you haven't seen it and and get the full package of it. It, it relies too heavily on the animation. I think that with the smile on the song can stand alone and you can be like, this is Snow White. There's some birds. There's some very princess motifs in it. And uh, this sounds Disney. I think that the more underrated is probably with the smile on the song since Someday a Prince Will Come, Hi-Ho, the, even the Yodel song. Like There's a lineup of slaps in Snow White, and this one might fall by the wayside. Frozen 2, 
this Frozen 2's soundtrack is kind of all over the place. And it's too hard to tell right now since it's so new if it's actually if anything's actually underrated in the Disney catalog. I'm going to go with with the smile on a song. Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head about about smile on a song being able to stand on its own. Um, I think that is a really important aspect of a good Disney song is that you could listen to it anytime, any place and get what you need to out of it. Um, I think that. Um, the next right thing is a more underrated song, but I think with a smile and a song is the better song and the better Disney song. So I am advancing that one. It pains me to do it, but I'm advancing <laughs> Snow White. So Joey, do you agree with that? Yeah. I hope my niece doesn't listen, but yeah, I agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's hop over to the other side of the bracket then. Um, we've got Stand Out and Smile on a Song headed to the final four. Who will meet them? We've got the number 15 seed, Not a Nottingham from Robin Hood versus number seven, Little <laughs> April Showers from Bambi. This is a tough matchup for me. Yeah, These are two songs that I absolutely love. Uh, we broke it down pretty well last week. Little April Showers, you've got Bambi, which I don't necessarily think is an underrated Disney movie because it is a, like a classic Signature Diamond Collection classic. But I will say, you know, in general, like 90s Disney gets most of the love from the general public these, these days. And it's, it's very easy to overlook Bambi, I think. Especially because, like, there's not a whole lot in the way of, like, plot and, yeah. like, uh, like, musical music. The types mm-hmm. of things that, like, audiences in 2021 really appreciate. So... Again, it's one of those things that like if you if you walked up to someone and you were like, hey, is is Bambi a good movie? They'd be like, oh, yeah, Bambi's a good movie. But if you were like, hey, pick Bambi out of these 10 other movies, they would probably pick Bambi last, you know? So it's like, yeah. it's hard to know. Um, yeah, the song's really good. The the I kind of called out that it it sounds like a piece of like orchestra composition. Uh the 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 vocals are like uh i don't i don't know if i kind of like the like chamber choir kind of like sound to it okay but i but i i live with it i'll live with it because i think <laughs> i think all in all like it's it's very just well done uh, i brought up light magic it is when uh-huh. all of the disney characters wake up <laughs> from being asleep and they start dancing around it's really good uh, this is going up against Not- Nottingham. Robin Hood is an underrated. I would say Robin Hood is an underrated Disney movie, more so than Bambi. Okay. Um, I think I think Bambi is a better movie, but I think Little Prince Robin Hood is more underrated because less people like it. I think. Uh, we have Callie on to talk all about Robin Hood. She's a big <laughs> Robin Hood. I mean, like you said, like Oodalali is kind of like the Robin Hood song. The whistle stop. I think people might might recognize but like not in nottingham little april showers is a truly underrated disney song not in nottingham is like a diamond in the rough needle in a haystack disney song that like you would just never even know it exists um and then you pull it out and it's like this is just an incredible piece of music it's hard because like little april showers probably sounds more disney but I think I, it's I'm gonna do the opposite of what I did in the last matchup. Like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with not a Nottingham here, just because like I think it is just so severely forgotten and unknown that it that it that it is the most underrated Disney song. Fellas, I have a song to share with you guys. Little April Showers dubstep remix. Pretty close, but it's not dubstep. Please allow me to introduce. April Rain by Guap14 <laughs> on, on YouTube. Oh, Bambi's about to fizz face. Everybody go check it out. Here we go. Oh, 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 
mean, I mean. I already oh. like am seeing myself in bridge traffic, like just <laughs> all the way up to 11. The Little April Shower Electro Dubstep Remix. You're crossing past the toll bridge on the Bay Bridge. Like, no, I, I, I got fast track. I don't need to pay. I, I'm listening to Little April. Little I got, April I got, Rain. I got Lightning Lane Plus. They get Lightning Lane Genie Plus on, on Bay Bridge. <laughs> I mean, this song's composition is unreal. The way that they are able to take these voices and simulate an April shower that is even more than a shower. It's like an April shower storm. At one point, they fully just break it down and they turn into this like the choir in the background. They use their voices to emulate wind and like howling wind. And you got the the drips and the drops of of the rest of the ensemble. Like it's so good. It sounds like rain. Even the indentation on the it it just sounds like things are are dropping. It is so smart and so well done. I I love this song. Uh, Joey, you had brought up that the and, oh, and also this is another Larry and and Frank joint here. The same folks that did the um with smile on the song. Joey, you had brought up that uh not in Nottingham. Maybe you did. Maybe it was for that song. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was would sound crisp on vinyl? Was it for that one or was it for another one? No, it was with a uh, with a smile and a song. Oh, interesting. Okay, great. Even better. But a folk tune would always sound great on a vinyl. Of course, I bought the like first edition vinyl of Bambi. I texted Chris about this, and I was like, "You gotta listen to the Bambi soundtrack on vinyl, baby." And he was like, "I got it." And I was like, "This is <laughs> this is." the vinyl so i mean like robin hood yes and chris has it on vinyl like the both of these are just so good coming out of a turntable even in today's day and age like little april showers on that and then uh what's the other bambi song it's like love is a love is not love is a song is it love is a song yeah love is a song that's the the big love song that they were also nominated for for best song but didn't win Sounds great on vinyl as well. It's that kind of crooning, you know, 40s voice. This is just a, the, everything about Bambi's soundtrack is phenomenal. And yes, underrated film, I think. Uh, you think that Robin Hood is definitely an underrated film. I would agree only because I didn't, once again, like Pete's Dragon, didn't grow up with it. So it feels underrated in that I didn't really watch it. And I think it's a, a fine film uh and this matchup i i gonna just stick with little april showers i think that the the storytelling of it the sound of it everything about it just feels so disney while not nottingham feels like i'm uh i'm at golden gate park during a bluegrass festival and i'm sitting there and a folk band just rolled up and they're they're gonna pull up on some not nottingham stuff Mumford and Sons is such a great band to have covered it because that feels like who would have covered this song. Uh, Joey, it's you. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've grown to love a lot about Disney is like the first time I see something or the first time I hear something or the first time I experience something, I only really grasp like 15% of like the hmm. intentionality and the work that went into that piece. And so I think in describing Little April Showers, like you mentioned on the vocals, like, replicating sound and wind and uh, all like the subtle work that went into it. I think not Nottingham is a fantastic song because folk and folk is the best <laughs> genre. But I think little April showers fits the genre of Disney more in the sense of it has all these elements that equal um, something that you might not hear or see on your first go through of it. Um, and so I, I think I would pass little April showers on for that sense is just the creativity and the thinking behind it fits more the Disney mold than not Nottingham. All right, there it goes. Little April shower. We'll move right along, which brings us to our last elite eight matchup, which is number 14 heffalumps and woozles versus the number 11 King of New York heffalumps and woozles. It's the only thing that I got through. In the first round. That's the only thing that I was able to pass through 
the ranks of the Joey Chris grid iron doors that I have to deal with. And yeah, I, I still think that it's, a, I mean, I'm so biased towards Sherman Brothers music. I love the Sherman Brothers music, their style. I'm a big Mary Poppins fan. Helpful Lumps and Woozles is very much in the Mary Poppins style and genre. It's this nonsensical thing to describe something that feels very real. Helpful Lumps and Woozles are like nightmares. They're, they're, they feel like normal dreams until they take a turn and they're, they're in your face. They're ordinary, but they're extraordinary. Like, it's just so smart, I think. They, they're able to put things that are so conceptually complex into a very uh, digestible way. That was the magic of the Sherman Brothers, in my opinion, that, and it helps move along a plot. And if you watch the uh, Howard Ashman documentary on Disney+, Plus, they talk about that a lot and learning that from the Sherman Brothers of using music to move a plot along, not just to be fluffed for a character to sing. And I think that Heavilubs and Woozles is like, Pooh is afraid of something. Why is he afraid of something? Let's let's sing about it. Let's give him more, let's give the audience more context as to why these Heffalumps and Woozles are so terrifying. And they do it in a very good job that is fun and scary for kids. And then if you read it as an adult, you're like, oh, wait a minute. This is, uh, this is dark. This is kind of, this is scary. Up against King of New York. Yeah, I, I still stand by that. This just feels... Not, I mean, I think that if this was like a, um, a, a underrated Disney Broadway bracket that I would definitely catapult this to the top of all of the like Disney Broadway songs because I think of it in that way because the movie was bad, but the best version of this story was done on Broadway and Disney has only recently relatively gotten into the Broadway sphere. And it's interesting that, I mean, this is a whole different tangent, but it's interesting that Newsies was one of the things that they brought to Broadway out of like, because they, what, launched with Beauty and the Beast and then Lion King and then attempted Little Mermaid and then tempted Tarzan and then attempted Ada. (laughs) Like, it's just interesting that Newsies was one of them if it was so not super well received, but they stuck with it. I guess that... I don't think I have any notes on who. Actually, maybe I do. I do. You brought it up. This is a Mencken joint, isn't it? Yeah. So they they trusted in him because he was the powerhouse songwriter of the, of the day. Um, it was also written by uh, Jack Feldman, actually, who who helped write the lyrics to this. And Jack Feldman wrote the lyrics to Barry Manilow's Copacabana, which is interesting. But the Razzies made me laugh very a lot. Um. Yeah, Chris, I'm going to have to just go with uh, Heffalumps and Woozles still here. I think that the the Sherman Brothers are just too too Disney. Uh, Heffalumps and Woozles is an underrated song because it's not one that you really think about unless you've gone on the Winnie the Pooh attraction. Uh, it feels Disney song-esque. It's King of New York. If you played it for someone, it sounds more Broadway before they would ever say Disney. That's my reasoning. Number 14 moves on for me. I mean, I get that argument. I just think that The King of New York might be the only song in this bracket that can rightfully be called underrated. Like, let's, let's get into, like, what is underrated, what is overrated, and what is properly rated. So, like, I think about it like this. The Office used to be appropriately rated. People that watched it thought it was a really good show. Suddenly. It went on Netflix and everyone started watching it and it suddenly was being talked about as one of the greatest shows of all time when it's just not, it's just simply not true. It has now become overrated. Game of Thrones is a great show. Overrated. However, the finale, which everyone universally despised, underrated. So it's like, how can... It's like something being underrated means people have to have had uh, like an established reaction to it. And then you kind of have to go the opposite direction with it. Overrated, same thing. I don't think that's 
necessarily true, though. I don't think you need to go opposite direction of it. I think that people can have a neutral opinion of it and then you you raise it up and that can still mean that that's underrated. I don't think that people need to hate something and then you like it to consider it underrated. But it would make it more underrated, I think. Oh, yeah. And I mean, so like that's the net. Yeah, of course. So it's right. So it's like like I said, it's like is this bracket the best underrated Disney song? Or the one that is most underrated. Yeah. And like when I'm thinking about this, it's like the one with the, the largest disparity between how it's perceived and how I perceive it. Or I'm trying to argue that it, um, that it is. Yeah, and no, so, I get that. I get that. I, I think that it's still like the, the most is the value and then the Disney is the qualifier. I think that there, there can be... Yeah. You know, there can be a, 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 a give and take of the name of it. I see where you're going and I understand what you're saying. But I think that you can use that argument both ways for this specific matchup. So the fact that Newsies was so poorly received, the movie okay. version, Christian Bale, and the fact that if you asked a, a random person in a Disney park, Newsies, Good or bad? I think they would probably say... Uh, I haven't seen it. Right. And if they have, they probably don't love it. If you ask the theater nerd, what are your thoughts on news? It's freaking great. Um, I'm going with King of New York for that reason. It's Joey's breaking in time. <laughs> <laughs> this is hard. Um, um, I'm marching down Main Street to Heffalumps and Woozies. Yeah, I I don't know. I I love Newsies actually, but yeah, I I got to stick with my theme of Disney songs, and I think that fits that mold more. And I think I, I agree with Kyle sure. of the Broadway sure. part of it. <laughs> All right, so let's hop over to the other side. Then we've got our final four. Who's going to the finals? Is it the number eight standout versus number four smile on a song? <sighs> this makes me sad. Like, it makes me sad to where we've gotten on this bracket. Um, like we've got we've got the the original, the original Disney movie, Snow White, uh, versus a '90s like a '90s jam, which is my least favorite era of Disney when talking to people because Your, it's Kings just, of New York is a '90s jam, but it's not not like that though, not like that. You're flopping on me. Uh, I'm going to go with a smile on a song here because um, I I think just the 90s in general are just way overhyped when it comes to Disney stuff. And while Goofy Movie is not one of those things that tends to get overhyped, um, I think think it's easy to overlook some of the classic stuff. And I think in this situation with the smile on a song is the more underrated song. Um, And I just like it's a little bit tighter, a little bit simpler, and that's generally my speed. Yeah, I think that if you, so your your argument from the last one, I'm going to carry over where like if you gave standout to somebody on the street, they wouldn't be able to identify it to Goofy Movie. That means that in a Goofy Movie, it's probably an underrated song. But in the scope of Disney underrated, it doesn't even land because people don't even know it's Disney. I think that with, the Snow White smile in a song, people will recognize it at least as a Disney song and be like, oh yeah, 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 that's a Disney song. But it's not Akuna Matata. It's not Friend Like Me. It's not like these things that people rank so highly as no, uh, got no strings. Want to be like you. All of these like songs that people bubble up as, as Disney songs that are on their Disney playlist. Smile and Song probably slips through the cracks and but people will recognize it as disney and i think that the way that it does slip through the cracks means that it is underrated i think that stand out is an underrated disney song and the fact that more people should know about it and that and recognize it and appreciate it for what it is uh but it's not going to fall on people's radars like a smile on the song does uh in the grand scheme of things, it will also slip to Disney fans 
bottom of the barrel. I'm going to agree with you. Number four, Smile in a Song, should move on to the finals as an underrated Disney tune. Joey, do you agree? I agree with that. Short and sweet. Love it. Yep. <laughs> Let's move on to the final, final four matchup. It is number seven, Little April Showers versus number 14, Heffel Up and Woozles. You ask people about a Disney song and they're going to go to the big movies. Even though critically when it was released, Bambi was seen as a failure. I think that's still a big Disney movie. Am I wrong? Do we, do we think that? It's a big entity, at least, in the Disney brand. But what makes Little April Shower so underrated is that it's a great song in a, in a, you know, a brand ambassador movie, for lack of a better term. That Heffalumps and Woozles, like, that almost sounds like something that might come out of a, a, a PBS show. It's it's like a march that sounds like a almost even a Wiggles song, if you showed somebody it now. Like it, it sounds like it, it and it is Winnie the Pooh's a child entity. It, it's supposed to be, um, but the song is very. It's that march feel. Joey, I agree with you. This is, makes for a very good park song. That kind of childhood wonder, that childlike uh, energy, for sure. Uh, but when these two are just matched up. I lean so heavily towards Little April Shower because of the bias of their attention to detail. I feel like Disney is known for their, or at least was, maybe they still are, are known for their attention to detail and everything that they do. And if they are going to write this suite of a song in which they're emulating a shower and they do it so well, incorporating all of the the trends of the day with the the choir and the 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 separation of like the men's and, and women's voices like that was very much a thing during this time. I I just think that Little April Shower hits like a middle of the Disney movie energy more than Heffalumps and Woozle does, which feels like it could have shown up maybe anywhere. I'm going with number seven, Little April Shower. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing Little April Shower as well. I have not advocated for Heffalumps and Woozles at all on this bracket. I don't not like it. I just think that like it's one of the more popular poo songs, I think. Um and it gets a lot of play in the parks. It's in Fantasmic, I think. Um So yeah, I agree. Uh Joey, we got Little April Showers into the finals. Are we are we good with that? We're good with that. Yeah, I like Little April Showers. Like I talked about last time, I think the attention to detail in it is pretty cool and creative and I think deserves to be in the finals. All right, so we're down to our last matchup. It's number four with a smile and a song from Snow White versus number seven, Little April Showers uh, from Bambi. The OGs. (laughs) Yep, the OGs. OGs It's been a... I don't know that we've ever had a... A finals with the OGs. Probably not. I, we haven't really talked about either of not, these. Not very really. Much. Not really. Um, I'm sure we brushed on them in the best Disney animated movie brackets, but I, that was pre, that was like pre Disney Plus. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we were bootlegging and it. Was, and analysis wasn't super deep back then. Anyways, um, I like Little April Showers better. It's one. It's one of my favorite Disney songs. Like I say, every every round so far, it's in Light Magic. The, the river dance version of Little April Showers is great. Uh, Kyle, with Smile on the Song is the more underrated song. I think th- these are both these are both good Disney songs. I think Little April Showers is a better song, but with the Smile on the Song is more underrated. It, it's overlooked. It's forgotten. Uh, it's not what you think of when you think of Snow White because there's no prince involved. Um, it's slept on. It's not featured in any nighttime spectaculars that I can remember. Uh, it's the, don't don't think it has much of a parks presence at all. I mean, really, the only times I come across it are on like a like I said, like a piano remix album or like a Disney quiet guitar oh, compilation. So good, you know, <laughs> when they, when they yeah when they've like reached the bottom of the barrel like of the sing along songs. Like shoot, I got it's the only one we got left. Uh, so yeah, I'm crowning the, with a smile on a song the winner. I don't think that in this particular finals matchup, there's necessarily a wrong choice i think that both of these are underrated in the disney music catalog for sure disney loves 
to use up their songs that are hype. <laughs> Let It Go had a moment that lasted eight years. We're at we're in year eight. <laughs> we're in year eight of Frozen currently. <laughs> That's that is still a long, long time. time. It's crazy. And these these two songs in the finals aren't used at all. Really. I mean, Little April Showers might be used in World of Color for a hot second. They transition into this like uh nature type thing when they go from like uh Pocahontas slides down the the waterfall and then it's little April showers and then we get into under the sea and then we get finding Nemo and all that stuff. Like it might be. I'm probably wrong, but it's it's definitely used. Yeah, I just I I like I I'm not a huge fan of Smile in the Song because of its shrillness. Uh Little April Shower as a listening, very long. You know it's like a film score type song because there's a huge instrumental right in the middle of it. So they both have their pros, they both have their cons, but you know, I think that I don't know that I can really take an L on this. Uh so just for the hell of it, Joey, you're gonna go ahead and decide. Wow. Um it's funny that the OGs are the ones that are in the finals, considering I'm not an OG Disney fan. I'm very new school. <laughs> that's why that's that's why I wanna let you hang the banner for the first time, Snow White or Bambi. They their banners haven't been hung yet, so this is this is you deciding here. Tell us about the vibes. I think the vibes are telling me that if I were to open up Disney Plus right now and to pick a movie to watch um, it would be Bambi. I think I would watch Bambi. Well, um, and I think we talked about uh with a smile and a song that's a little sh- shrill, right? Like it, it, it's like it's kind of a little hard to listen to. Like I would love to listen to it on vinyl, but at moments, like I can't see myself vibe into it in the car. Um, but I could definitely, and now like thinking of the creativeness of Little April Shower, I think I would crown Little April Shower as the winner. And we have. Our winner of the most underrated Disney song. It is Little April Shower from the film Bambi. And as we do at the end of every bracket, we are going to clap it out. Chris, this was a fun one. We stay in a young prince. (laughs) Yeah, young prince, dude. Your young prince. Uh, had a, a life of his own at the beginning of our existence. The young prince showed up quite a bit. And he he hibernated, and now he's back, and now he is a Mouse Madness Hall of Fame champ. I'm proud. I'm proud of him. He uh, he kind of you know he lost out in the best Disney baby bracket in a very heartbreaking way, <laughs> but uh, I'm happy. I'm happy he finally got his uh, his crown. Joey, thank you so much for joining us on this journey of Disney music under underratedness. Uh, I don't know that I expected some OGs to make it to the end to bring in a newbie guest host to to break that tie, but I'm glad that you came along for the ride, and I hope that you enjoyed listening to some of these songs that may have uh, inspired you to dive into the fandom a little bit more. Yeah, it's after this, I'm going to go put on um, Camp, or I'm sorry, I'm going to go put on uh, Coco um, as an <laughs> apology for it not making it past round one. Um, so to make up for... That sadness. I'm gonna go listen to Coco. Um, okay, but I'm happy with the result, and Bambi's great. So yeah, thanks to you both, Chris and Kyle, for having me on. It's been a long time coming. Um, so yeah, thank you, Joey. I believe you have a shout out that you need to give too. Oh we yeah, didn't do it in the first episode. Yeah, I uh, when I the first person I let know about this podcast because I knew they listened to it was Olivia Hummer. She's a huge fan. Um, yeah, and I gave her this this category that I was going to be a part of. She was excited, but she listens. She is actually the one I've listened a couple of times, but she broke down the full format for me. Um, <laughs> she really got me attuned for this. So, uh, shout out to Olivia Hummer. Olivia, hello, hello, and we will be having you as a guest now that Chris is moving to the Bay. We'll have some recording sessions with you in person. Joey, thanks again. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. All right, everyone. Well, you know how to reach us. Do you have something to say? Do we mess this bracket up? Uh, do we miss some underrated songs? Do you have some underrated songs of your own? Do you have a bracket idea? Would you like to hop on and do a little guest hosting? We would love to have you. We would love to hear from you. 
please email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Discord, and Facebook. All of those are linked in the description of this podcast. Until next time, all of our listeners, just one piece of advice to you all. Stand out! <laughs> <laughs>